So here I am sitting in my dining room on the goddamn computer going through your damn Twitter feed to try and find your motherfucking Amazon link. And I can't find that shit. I'm trying to tweet out my new mics. Trying to show the people what I bought through your motherfucking Amazon page. Can't find the shit. I went through 75,000 goddamn tweets. I've seen everything else from the voicemail. i see Mr. T. I see WrestleMania shit. I see all your episodes. I see all kinds of wrestling bullshit. I don't see no goddamn Amazon link. How they gonna be, Rob? How gonna be? How they gonna be, Rob? That's funny. <laughs> I crack my own self up. <laughs> oh, that's fucking funny. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm gonna treat that out in a little bit, but I wanna let y'all listeners know that I went ahead and bought the same mics that you motherfucking got because your shit sound all professional and luxurious. So I assume when I plug in this vo- when when I plug in the mics, it's gonna it, what's gonna come through them mics and be recorded is your voice. It's going to sound just like you. So we're going to start the, the random uh, Naked Porch podcast with Rob. That's our new shit. That's how we're going to do for 2017, people. How we roll. Take the shit over. We can fuck. Word. Anyway, I'm going to find this goddamn link. I'm going to tweet out this goddamn tweet. Because that's how I motherfucking do. Bitch. Okay. I don't know. That's all I had to say. Just saying, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm seriously, I went through like 11 billion tweets. Right now, I'm looking at some old ass wrestler with gray hair with belts. There's two of them. One dude's got gray fucking hair. WrestleMania exclusive, the Hardy Boys. I don't even know who they are. Why are they on your feed? This is bullshit. Anyway, ugh, fucking frustrating as shit. All right, I'm gonna find his link and then um um I'm gonna tweet out these goddamn mics so the people can see that I'm professional like you. I try to be like you, man. I don't know. I'm bugging. Look at this. More wrestling. Oh, Random with Rob. Birthday edition. Ask Miss B-Rob, which was a badass episode, by the way. Um, I asked some crazy-ass questions. Apparently, I asked too many sex questions. I didn't think they were like... <laughs> I wasn't even going to send those. <laughs> I was like, ah, fuck it. Send them anyway. Damn, motherfucker. You straight tweeted 11,000 tweets on wrestling. That's your shit. Oh, look, leave a, leave a random voicemail, 304-825-5762. That's the number I just called. Or random robcast at outlook.com. All will be featured on the motherfucking show. Some crazy shit. Oh, my God. More shit. Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal WrestleMania. Come on, man. And you tweeted that shit twice. Oh, God. Pizza deserves better than this. What are we doing, Rob? All right, look, man, you ain't got to play all this shit. It's already going on seven minutes straight of voicemail. I'm trying to outdo that other motherfucker from, uh, 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 the, what is it called? What's the name of that damn podcast? Shit, can't remember now. See, my mind went to think. Ah, uh, you know who I'm talking about. He, he done left two drunk voicemails in a row. I'm not even drunk. I should be, but I'm not. Point is, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let your listeners know right now. I'm gonna jack your intro. I'm gonna throw it at the beginning of our next episode with the new mic. And it's gonna it's gonna be your intro, but um I'm gonna I'm gonna jack that shit, make it our intro. So people are gonna be like confused, like, wait, what am I listening to? Oh, is D Rock gonna be on this show? No, he's not. It's our show, it's our intro. We stole that shit. That's how we do around here. New York Sun represent what? <laughs> All right, peace. Yeah. 
You are now listening to Random Ramblings. your boy b rob and i am back with another edition of the random rounds of rob podcast and it's funny when people stunt ah, see look I, I fuck fuck i'm doing it i was gonna make a joke about how people stumble over my title you know the random rounds of rob and here i am stumbling all over the goddamn place but anyway thank you for coming back and listening and uh if you're a first time listener hey shit happens <laughs> Thanks to Ray for the awesome voicemail and supporting the podcast by purchasing things using my Amazon links and uh, pointing out to me that on my website, website, look at me, more stumbling continues on my website, randomrobcast.com, that my Amazon links, you know, the little ads were not appearing. So thank you on both fronts. You support me by purchasing things through my Amazon links and you support me by telling me my website is fucked up. So thank you, Ray, from the Naked Porch Podcast. <laughs> oh, I hope you're enjoying your weekend. It's a Sunday night here. Usually I record this late on Friday evening, but I had to go do some things in another state, namely Louisiana, namely Lake Charles, where I'm from. Uh, my homeboy, Mike, you may know him as Cosine Chris on um, one of the earlier episodes. He's getting married at the end of the month, so I had to go down and get fitted for a wedding uniform <laughs> so that's what i had did and i say that intentionally you don't have to put had there my oldest two kids have a issue with saying had in front of every goddamn thing we had went to the store i said damn you just went to the store you didn't had do shit <laughs> but anyway that's a personal gripe maybe you had did some shit like that before <laughs> Anyway, um, guess I have a guest this week, much like every other week, and hopefully it'll be like that until the end of time. <laughs> if I'll be podcasting till the end of time, but until fuck whatever, I got a guess. His name is Jay. His last name is Sandlin, and he is a writer, a historian. He is a liker and lover of the Blade franchise, as am I. He is a liker and lover of the Matrix series, as am I. He also enjoys a little bit of professional wrestling, as do I. That's why he was such a great fucking guest. <laughs> but anyway, we got him on her and we talked about the things and stuff. I got a little history lesson. Uh, he uh, reintroduced the Mimo states to me, which I've learned in school as the man in the hat, that's the states that come down from, uh, fuck, I forgot the states, but I know Louisiana in there because we the boot. That's why they call Louisiana the boot. <laughs> but yeah, we talked about those things. It was social studies. It was history all into one with Blade and the Matrix and comic books, which he likes and, uh, books. And which I do not like so much, but I do read them and I have to read his book because he, <laughs> he tricked me. It was a trap 
and I just watched Star Wars this weekend. But anyway, it was a great episode. I appreciate him for popping up on the podcast. This is one of many that he's just been popping up all over. He was on the Naked Porch podcast. He was on uh, Joint Narcissism with freaking um, Tony Rager and a couple of other places. He was just popping up all over my timeline and everything. And I was like, well, hell, we done um, shows together. And I was like, well, fuck it. Why don't you just come over to my show? You're always on my damn timeline. You might as well be on my podcast, too. And that's what we did. And we talked about the stuff and things. So without further ado, we're going to roll right into that this week on this edition of the Random Ramblings with Rob podcast featuring Jay Sandlin. This is professional wrestling journalist Jordan Garber, and you're listening to the Random Ramblings. Random Ramblings podcast with Rob. Check it out. Swerve. All right. Man, I love I love your show, by the way. Appreciate it. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. I really um, will certainly be promoting this one, and I've got some other podcasts I work with that'll. Well, you you know, everybody promotes everybody out there. Yeah, and let's talk about that. I mean, you've been popping up on my timeline left and right. I mean, what what's the fuel nice. behind this? All right. Well, it's just networking. So when you're in social media, it's like you're at a party. Mm-hmm. And when you're at a party, you may know a lot of people or maybe you come not knowing a soul. And you approach the people and you might start up a conversation. Maybe you'll hit it off or maybe you'll just drift over to another conversation. But that's how it feels when you um and I mean you have a product to sell, whether it be your podcast that you're promoting, maybe you're just trying to get a listener. Or in my case, it's um, my work with authorship. Um, you know, I, we talked about it. I'm working on uh, releasing two books this month. First one is uh, Outbreak Mutiny. It's the first release from the novel comics. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Have you seen the cover, by the way? Uh, no, I can't say that I have. I don't want to sit here and lie to oh, you. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, hey, that's all right. That's all right. Let me just uh, send you a quick snapshot here in the IM. Well, here we go. Um, by the way, you're the first person to use the um, Skype chat. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> so Outbreak Mutiny, it, it's my baby. This is the uh, alternate history with superheroes that's coming out this month. You mm-hmm. know, I'm an author and I'm a historian, but uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Captain America all the way. I'm kind of a nerd above all else, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, and I decided uh, I've been reading some other books on superheroes by other authors. Uh, it was last June, and I just decided I think that I could do this. And I, I've I've had a desire to write a book for a while, but the idea, something that I stuck with and kind of incubated and grew, just hadn't come yet. I guess uh, inspiration is what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So I I came up with this number here. This is uh, the first one now. Uh, it's a book. It's a traditional novel, but I call the chapters issues, mm-hmm. like a comic book, and each um, release will be another set of issues. So people who are used to getting their superhero entertainment through that medium uh, will be used to it, You know, the serialized nature of comic books, whereas the people like young adults who read books um, – will like the length. Uh, it's probably about 300 pages in all. And if I had written the story you know, start to finish, oh, I would yeah. have had a six to 800 page book. You've been in Stephen King territory. 
Well, I have no problem with a long book. I love a long book because when I open a book, that book becomes, you know, I I, I join the experience. Mm-hmm. I, I the reader has a place in the narrative, and whether or not the narrative is first person, third person, you as the reader are um, invested emotionally, and it's almost like the book becomes your friend. So I've always loved reading. And then I loved reading long books for that reason when they hooked me in. But uh, in writing it, I have to think about other people, not just myself. Yeah. Well, so that's where the, the 300th length came from. Yeah. Well, in, in this age of convenience and everything, I mean, you can pretty much uh, tap your freaking device in your palm of your hand and get anything you want. I mean, what's your views on um, digital books and everything? And like, um, Oh, I will, I will be releasing on digital. I love digital books. Uh, it's about all I read until I went back and uh, I've been working on my master's degree uh, in history. And just out of necessity, I had to start reading some old school books. Mm-hmm. Felt like I was, you know, using stone tablets again. <laughs> But there is something to be said for the physical book because um, you can I, – I don't know. I think I still like highlighting things. I like yeah. making notes in the margins. Now, of course, you can do that on digital books, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of the experience. But my book will be available on both. So what, what do you prefer, Random Rob? I don't know. I mean I don't read a lot at all, but um, when I did get into something – um, I like to have the actual book there. I like to fold the pages. I like the smell of the book. But um, I think the last thing that I tried to read digitally was um, the Fifty Shades of uh, Grey. The all three. Oh of the man, books. My, my wife already took me to see that movie. Yeah, actually, both of them. I've seen part one and part two. Yeah. Now, part one was a lot more watchable than part two. Okay. I don't know if you saw part two, Not but it yet. was like a random connection of scenes yeah. by the same characters, but it wasn't really connected, I guess. Um, that Yeah, that's how it felt to me. It didn't <laughs> feel like it was connected. It was almost like random scenes from the same characters, and it was like, okay, here's the start, and we're going to end it here. Um, <laughs> namely, like there's one particular scene. I'm not giving away any spoilers, but they think that uh, the main character has – um, crashed in a plane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, there's some tension for like three minutes, and then no, oh, he just kind of walks through the door. <laughs> yeah, I remember reading that in the book and everything because I've read um, the first book, um, the second book, and I think I'm like a couple pages into the third book, so I need to finish. How the third many of book. those are there? There's three books. Three books. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna release two this this year. Um, maybe three. I'm working on a third. Um, it's going to be on the history side, the nonfiction aspect of things. Um, I interviewed a fantastic World War II veteran who was also a longtime government service employee. Uh, he had been in World War II, stationed in Guam. Then he went and worked as part of the Manhattan Project Ooh. with the atom bomb. Um, have you ever heard of Los Alamos? No. Indulge me, enlighten me. All right, no, this is very yeah. Los Alamos was a practice town. Um, if you've oh. ever seen like the Indiana Jones, yeah, the movie, Crystal, Crystal Skull, Skull yeah. yeah, picture that. But people lived there. Oh shit! And yeah, yeah, he lived there. He was a resident. Him and his wife. They were not. They had not been married for very long. And I imagine how that conversation goes. He says, "Hey, we're going to go to this spot in the desert," and. 
I promise there's a town there, <laughs> and we're going to work on stuff that I will never tell you about. And when his wife passed away in 2008, he had still never told her. Wow. So Los Alamos was where they were testing the nuclear devices. They had everything you would have in a normal town. They had the town square, the marketplace, a theater, but it was surrounded by desert, and not even the postmaster general of the United States could enter Los Alamos at this time. He didn't have the clearance. It's crazy. But the guy I interviewed did, and he – see, he was always a, an administrator, an accountant, or a clerk. So it's not like he knows or knew uh, nuclear secrets, but he told me about daily life in the town, so that will be a big part of the book. Uh, then he worked for NASA for a number of years as well. And that was during the Cold War and the space race between the Soviet Union and the Americans, which the Soviet Union pulled a very strong early lead against the Americans in the space race. Mm -hmm. So I asked him a bit about that, and we're going to talk about what it was like, uh, just what we call social history or a grassroots. We want to get the story from the real people. That's been a trend in history these days, yeah. and that's why the main character in my book, Outbreak Mutiny… Uh, one of the main characters, he starts out as a clerk himself for the Navy. You all right? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. So he starts out as a clerk in the Navy, and he goes on to uh, he goes on to uh, work in Des Moines, which is the capital of the new uh, successor to the United States. It's called the remnant states because in my world, the um, United States was beaten in a war on December 31st, 1929, and they were downsized as a result. They became the remnant. Do you remember learning in school about Mimal, the Mimal states? I've, I vaguely remember it. I, I know it was something that was taught, but I don't remember shit. That's why I podcast <laughs> audio records. <laughs> Well, my, it's just a fun geographic acronym that refers to the five states, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, Arkansas, and Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And you've got those uh, going down the middle. That's all that's left of the United States. Yep, that's all that's left of the United States when you show up in my book. Um, that's the man in the hat. you know. The man in the hat. Yeah. He's, he's the symbol of the remnant states. He uh, So they are trying to make it in a downsized country where the – uh, the villains are a group called the Reich, mm -hmm. not the third. They are the, the Reich <laughs> because this leader would not consider any other Reich to be legitimate because he uh, – out of all the superpowered characters, and my superpowered characters are called the Outbreak Babies. You remember back in the early 20th century, you had the baby boom, right? Yep. We had in this world, alternate timeline, we had the Outbreak Baby Boom. So the outbreak babies uh, in Germany, they organized under the most powerful of these uh, superpowered beings, and they took the Nazi dogma mm -hmm. of survival of the fittest and applied that to superpowers. Because let's be real, Rob. If you lived in a world where superpowers existed, you know there would be people that tried to take advantage of those. Yes, they would uh, make uh, their feces into shit hammers. <laughs> oh, and you're not worthy to lift it. <laughs> Whosoever be worthy to lift my feces hammer shall bear the power of... Oh, gosh, what superhero would use Ass a hammer of feces? Guard. 
Asgard. <laughs> is it difficult to be an Asgardian? <laughs> uh, Asgardian of the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, it's a dirty job, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. But somebody's got to wipe... do it. Yeah, if you, especially if you try to wipe your face. That's Dirty Sanchez, so. Ooh, do you remember in, uh, what, what what was the movie? Dirty Sanchez, the boxing movie. It was supposed to be a parody of Million Dollar Baby, and the girl's nickname was Dirty Sanchez. Oh. She said, you'll tell me what my name's supposed to mean? <laughs> this is going to bother me now. Nah, I don't even remember. I haven't even heard of that. <laughs> ah, doesn't matter. Dirty Sanchez. So, I mean, do you like any uh, superheroes in particular? I like them all. No, well, you like all superheroes, nah, okay? I'm, I'm lying to you. Um, I don't know. I, I never really got into the comic books. I think the um, most. Did you see the cover there? I haven't seen. Check your IM there. I've got it. We can talk a bit about the characters. Um, I, you um to Twitter or to the IM here on Skype. I, I don't see it. Hmm. Well, let me just send it on Twitter then. Okay. Anyways, what were your favorite superheroes? I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. I've never really been into the comic books or whatever, because like I said, I had an issue with fucking reading and everything. But um, when I did pick up a little bit, um, Wolverine was the man. Um, I oh boy, Wolverine is the man. Yeah. Have you uh, have you seen the movie Logan? Yeah, I just watched it uh, the week. Well, now are you a fan of the other X Men movies? I mean, I, I like them all. I mean, my thing is, is like when I watch this stuff, it's just like we had this whole conversation about Iron Fist. Um, yeah. A lot of people was talking down about it. They didn't like it at all. They said, hey, the main character could have been this person because of this reason and so on and so forth. But I thought it was fine. And I believe because I have no wherewithal of the comic book series or, you know, the lore of the Iron Fist. I thought it was okay. And I kind of seen it in a different view from everyone else. It's just like, he was there for 15 years training, but he can barely, you know, get past two security guards and blah, 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 blah. You know, there was just right. punching a whole bunch of plot holes in the damn show. Well, that's kind of what I love to do is punch plot holes. You, you would call me the... Uh, Iron plot, but um, <laughs> I, I made the hashtag when the plot watching puncher. Iron Fist. And let me preface by saying I really wanted to like Iron Fist. Mm -hmm. I, I love the character, um, and I've never, even in the comics and uh, certain cartoon series, I've never thought he lived up to his potential. Yeah, and I, I kind of feel like the same thing happened in this series. I made it through about six episodes where it was lots of talking. Mm -hmm. um, Stuff that I just didn't care. Like, I didn't care about the company. I didn't care about whatever pharmaceutical drug was going on. I didn't yeah. understand why I should care. But most importantly, I didn't understand why the main character should care. Danny. Danny Bland. Mm -hmm. uh, excuse me. Freudian <laughs> slip there. Danny <laughs> Rand. No, Danny Bland was the hashtag I made when talking about Iron Fist. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag Danny Bland. But, um... Uh, so I was hoping for something better. I'm, I'm hoping for something better in Defenders. You know, yeah. Defenders is what's bringing the Netflix heroes together, and I think they released a promo image of that recently. Yeah, that's that's what my whole thing was. I believe it probably um, wind up being what it was because of the Defenders movie or series they're trying to make. Um, it was like, <clears throat> yeah. all right, we that got may have guided it. 
Yeah. It was like, all right, well, we got this character tied off, this character tied off, this character tied off. Who are we missing? Iron Fist. All right, let's just slop this together real quick. And now we can go ahead and focus on the Defenders stuff. So. Right, right. Whereas uh, in the comics, and I think you're onto something there because in the comics, Luke Cage and Iron Fist are a team. Um, in the day, they were the heroes for hire. Mm-hmm. And I think that was maybe when the A team was popular. And uh, Luke Cage also wore a, like, uh, we call it a tiara. I don't oh, yeah, know what I, else I, to I, call I, it. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> They kind of um, showed it a little bit in the beginning of the series, didn't they? When he finished, like it was a flashback to when he was having the experiment, right? Yeah. And they showed the metal around his head, yeah. and you're like, oh, it's the tia- it's Luke's tiara, sweet Christmas. <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember, because I, I, I never watched the Luke Cage series. I, I popped in and out on it when my wife was watching it. I got this whole thing about if somebody starts something and I'm not there for the beginning. I, I kind of tune out of it or whatever. I got to see it from beginning to end. So I didn't. Oh, get, I hear you. I hear you on that. Cause like yeah. I, it pissed me off to no end. It'd be like, I'll come in the room and she like three episodes in. And I'm like, what the fuck? I want to watch that <laughs> shit. <laughs> How dare you? I, I felt the same way. My wife watched the finale of big little lies on HBO without me. Have you seen that? I never heard of that. Indulge me. What is oh, that? Oh, I, I highly recommend Big Little Lies on HBO. Borrow your friend's account right now <laughs> and and watch it. It's a it's not a TV series. It was like a mini series, a one time event. It had Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, and that chick from the Divergent series who cut her hair and played a cancer patient. Okay. Yeah, that that's as close as I can get. Um. Alexander Skarsgård from Tarzan was also on it. <clears throat> uh, that's, played, that's, uh, that's the movie you're going to pull him from? <laughs> well, you know, that's the most recent. I know him. I was about to say, I know him as Eric from True Blood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I loved True Blood. It, it may have gotten bad in the last seasons, but he was one of the best parts of that show. Yeah. And then that he was kept a, it interesting. And that was another one. Um, I kind of popped in and out of that one, too, because my wife started watching it. She watched it from beginning to completion. And I was just like, because, I mean, we didn't have HBO and um, we didn't have the ability to borrow an account. So um, I was the one um, on the dark web trying to find all the stuff. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually started getting the True Blood uh, on DVD. Mm-hmm. When it came out on DVD, we'd watch it. And when we caught up. That was the catalyst that caused me to get HBO at my house. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Alexander Skarsgård. Now my bill will never stop going up every month. Because when you have the premium package, they'll always find something new to charge. Yeah. Sounds like some business Eric would do anyway with Fantasia or whatever he was doing. <laughs> Did you, so you never saw how True Blood ended? I know, but I don't. I hadn't seen it. Yeah, you might as well watch it just to see it. It's yeah. nothing too special. Yeah, because I know uh, Schnooky wound up killing the dude, right? She did. She did. That bothers me because, like, you know, he asks her to, but I wonder if he ever considered, hey, this may cause her some mental anguish later. It's like, I, know? He, yeah, he's definitely being selfish. <laughs> well, what, what would he care? He's about to be splattered. And I, I think they specified that after vampires die, they don't really know what happens to them. 
Yeah. Like that was part of the series that vampires didn't have a soul, maybe. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, how we talked about uh, digital versus handheld books and everything. What, what are your views on uh, movies and everything? Do you have to have the actual physical DVD or would you, you don't mind a digital? I don't mind the digital, but for movies that I truly want to keep and have forever, I'm going to go buy them on Blu-ray. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do that with all the Star Wars films until Rogue One, and I bought it on digital mm-hmm. because it felt more convenient. Yeah. And then it can't, it's not a, even out on um, you know, physical copy yet. It just came out digital first. It did, didn't it? And I wanted yeah. to watch it, and they, they got me. <laughs> Crafty Mickey Mouse. That motherfucker. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. Now, um, yeah, now, all right, same thing. Uh, Blu-ray or DVD? I mean, obviously you said Blu-ray, so you lean yeah, toward... Yeah, I'm, I'm on Blu-ray. I've yeah. got a Blu-ray player, and uh, when I'm not doing my physical copies, I'm typically doing uh, Apple TV to buy movies. Mm-hmm. But I found that when I buy them, I never watch them again. So I typically just rent them on demand, and you know they add that to the cable bill. And so it's like, hey, I'm not paying you right now. <laughs> what do I care? <laughs> watch now, pay later. That is the... Uh, well, that's... The, I don't know, the mantra of our society, maybe. Exactly. We we always trying to charge some shit. Even Pleasure with, now. Even with pay PayPal, they'd be like, hey, man, you don't have to pay right now. We oh, can- gosh. PayPal with that PayPal credit. Yeah. Oh, they hooked me in on that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, PayPal credit. It's so wonderful. That's how I have the TV I have right now. I wanted to, I wanted to get a large TV when I closed on my house. Uh, it's been almost two years ago now, and I was like, hey, PayPal credit, what is this? <laughs> Next thing I know, they're delivering a 70-inch TV to my house, and then 4K HD comes out the next month. You're like, son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to PayPal again. No, you know, I, I, mean- I had I hadn't PayPal'd again, but I do love 4K HD. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's that's been my vice forever, the newest tech and everything. I've had every iteration of just about every console that's ever to come out just because it was the new shit, you know? Well, you will not have to use PayPal credit for my book, especially if you do the digital download. Yeah, you like, yeah, a little segue there. Um, it will be free to download for at least the first 30 days. Sweet. And the printed copy will only cost what it costs me to print because at this point, it's just a matter of getting it out there to people. Um, I shot you that cover over on Twitter, by the way. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're welcome to you know, retweet the cover. We can, uh, you, you can always talk about that. I've got some other advertisements that will be coming out. Um, okay, I did book. see this. Yeah, so those are like four characters on the cover of Outbreak Mutiny. Um, you got my man Atlas there in the, on the left. He's got his hands up like he's a boxer. And yeah. he might have a little bit in common with Luke Cage. Uh, you know, he's super strong, got the uh, invulnerability going on, uh, and he's from Mississippi. <laughs> I dig it. Yeah. Now, your you book. Now, before we even get to the book let's go back in time travel a little bit. I mean, you're a historian, uh, you're an author and everything. 
Uh, Tony Rager, host and executive producer of Joint Narcissism Podcast. A little bit about me. I grew up in the worst part of San Bernardino, California. I was homeless, essentially. I grew up, and now I want to spread positivity the right way by implementing my First Amendment right. I want to talk about every aspect of life. I do talk about every aspect of life. Parenting, science, politics, religions, ethics, and morals. And you can find this show on every podcasting app. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, uh, Lipsync, more to be named. Guaranteed two episodes a week for your entertainment your enjoyment for your knowledge growth be sure to subscribe rate and review and by doing so you will help the show grow and grow and grow now i do not get any money for this so you'll be showing support simply by subscribing and commenting now enjoy the show what got you on this path i mean what's your earliest memory to where you like it clicked for you like oh man i want to be a writer I, my dad handed me a vhs and this was a vhs uh from fox 20th Century Fox, 1977, and uh, my dad gives me this VHS and says, I think you're really going to like this movie and this character. His name is Luke. He's got a laser sword, and I think you'll really like his laser sword. So that, uh, watching the VHS copy of the original Star Wars A New Hope is where a lot of my life clicked for me. Okay. And I watched that. D- I watched that DVD. <laughs> I watched that VHS. Um, I, I mean, I still probably have it somewhere. It never. The tape was never eaten, so the force was strong with it because uh, it went through many VH- VCRs. <laughs> and uh, that was probably what started it. I don't know about the history. Um, I could probably say the history came more in adulthood because I always liked it. And I went to college, and I was going to major in it. Because I was starting to – I had a mentor that was a great history professor, and I started to think that was what I wanted to do. And at age 18, this will probably tell you something about you know freshman mentality and declaring majors. Yeah. I thought, I've already completed a semester of college. It's too late to change my major. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too far along. I can't change it. So I, I stuck with a, a communications major, and it was after I, I started my business um, – I'm a self-employed uh, business owner as well, but I've been doing that now for six years, and I, I just really felt like I wasn't satisfied leaving my education off where I was. It was very important to me. Um, I had my son about that time as well, and I knew that as soon as he was born, that time was going to just start rocketing forward. Yeah. I mean, as far as the rate of how, and I, and I, I called my dad one day, and I was like, I got to do something. Uh, extra, you know, I just gotta, you know, do so. And he's like, "Well, he he just encouraged me to go for it." So, I guess that was my dad again. He gave me my Star Wars, and he told me <laughs> to go back and get my masters. Uh, so, yeah, that was um, that was probably later when I decided to really pursue the history part. I'd been reading a lot of books just on my own time, and felt like it was something I wanted to do more with. Sweet. Yeah. Do you like any particular era of history yourself? Uh, the present. <laughs> the present. Well, the present is becoming history every moment. Exactly. I like that analogy. That's the thing about it. Yeah, I mean, I like to live in the here and now, man. I like to look forward to, you know, what's next, you know, rather than time travel and look at some shit that I really can't change. Well, that's a question. Do we know what's coming next from looking behind? 
Well, yeah. Well, I mean, in certain aspects, we can do such things. Um, that's that's debated. I don't know if we can or not. Uh, the Greeks, uh, the ancient Greeks, and their primary historian Thucydides uh, wrote that history was circular mm-hmm. and that all that has happened before will happen, happen again. again. And yeah, mankind is making the same mistakes, uh, you know, repeatedly. And also, uh, that's even in the Bible, uh, a verse like, there is nothing new under the sun. Um, <laughs> I thought that was that a song may- lyric. <laughs> it, it, uh, I'm sure maybe somewhere out there it is. Um, is it? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody might have sung a tune about it. So there, there are people that believe that. And I, I don't know that I believe that myself. Um, my, my philosophy is uh, crap happens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and do you make hammers out of it. It's not a sign. I don't believe history is so much of a science as it is, um, you know, you can chronicle history just by strictly observing the events. You can analyze history and pick it apart, and it's very hard to come to any concrete conclusions. Um, So, like you said, if you wait and see what happens, you can let hindsight be the judge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know. It's just like it seemed like for a time you know in recent history that like everything old was new again they started bringing back um like furbies and freaking they started replicating um shoes from uh back to the future i want a pair of those actually i don't know i mean them things malfunction on your feet and then you'd be stuck with permanent shoe feet oh well <laughs> they're they're, they're kind of cool though i don't know i had um take it back even further as far as things coming back when they wrote that uh, when they wrote about everything being repeatable thousands of years ago what was ancient history to ancient people mm-hmm. that's a question I ask a lot yeah when, pe- when people ask me like what time period would you like to go back to if you could and if you could communicate with said people I'd probably go back to one of the earliest uh, civilizations we had in the um, like Mediterranean or Mesopotamia area, which is one of the earliest civilizations we know of. I'd like to find those people and ask one of their history teachers to tell me, what is ancient history to you? <laughs> because they can't say, oh, well, we just started mankind, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they, they had ancient cultures that they studied. They knew about ancient people. We don't know anything about them, mm-hmm. but I, w- I would like to. Yeah, because somebody comes from somebody, right? Well, think about it this way. How advanced did we become as a people in just the last 200 years? Shit, how advanced did we become in the last fucking two years? <laughs> two years, 10 years. You're right. Every year it increases. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wonder, is it – are we too arrogant to consider – that maybe 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, I mean, how long have humans been around in mm-hmm. the form we are now? We don't know for sure. Let's say at least 100,000. Could there have been a 500-year stretch in the last 100,000 years where we became as advanced as we are right now? Yeah. And if we did, what happened to those people? <laughs> they got overran by technology. Skynet took over. Skynet. Ah. That's got to be it. Or it could have been like on the Matrix, you know? I mean, it, it's, it's been um, more than one, you know, Neo-type character or whatever. This is like the 12th iteration of 
what's happening right now and so many are, people are they will gonna survive. remake the matrix that's what i hear i, I, I hope not I feel like they're going to do something with that property because they it's, should. it's out there. Yeah, I mean, okay, so we, we agree that they should. Yes. What what form would that take? I don't know. Maybe a continuation or just a different story, you know, from I, that I would world. not disagree with the continuation, but it was almost like two and three was a continuation, and that didn't yeah. work out so well. Not so much. I mean, the the best fight scenes – out of the whole thing came from part two to me, I think. But as far as yeah, story, the, the, I think the visuals were always impressive. I actually really liked the visuals from the third movie in the Matrix yeah. Revolutions with uh, all the. Was that the third movie, Revolutions? Yeah. Uh, yes. Reloaded was second. Revolutions was third. Yes. I liked all the Smith duplicates. Yeah, um, that was great. I liked their big fight at the end. So that was to me that was worth watching it on DVD at the time. Yes. Uh, but. Well, I, I, something that I loved was the Animatrix. Did you ever see that? Yes, I did. I, I own that one. See, and that's what you know, kind of what we're talking about right now. I mean, they they had so many different stories that split off from the actual main story, and they can go anywhere with this new Matrix. Well, my, what really stuck with me from the Animatrix was uh, the prequel of how the world became the way it did, and how like the machines, yeah, the robots. St- the robots started their own um, island, mm-hmm. and they became like the leading economy in the world. They wanted peace with mankind, and apparently mankind, we just couldn't stand that there was something better, better than us. Yeah, It was almost kind of like – that was I, what started the whole thing. It almost was kind of like iRobot in a sense. Yeah, I could see that comparison. Um, so I would like to see – it might be too Terminator-esque, but I would like to see maybe a Matrix prequel. Yeah. And maybe like you said, you wouldn't even have to reboot it. You mm-hmm. would just deliver a new iteration of the one. Yeah. Like the re- Because that's what they said. I believe the architect said that in mm-hmm. the Matrix. He said you are like you know, however many iterations of you there have been before, and – we always pick one. You're the anomaly. It's inevitable because humans are just so horrible. Exactly. So <laughs> you could go before the Matrix or you could go after the Matrix um, and just get a different one. Mm-hmm. So we I need another one. See, and, and then like um, – I'm not going to lie to you. I love those movies. But, I mean, let's just take them for what they were. The first Matrix was – a cinematic marvel as far as the technology that they put into it to make the visual effects so i mean you make buku money off of that movie because of what you've done it's going to be pretty much inevitable that you're going to make a sequel so those following two sequels is just to kind of like bump up the technology or whatever because i mean even though the story was lacking they had even bigger and better visual effects than the one before it and then the third one, the same thing with the machines and the whole different world they had to construct from CGI. So that's what those movies were. It was a breakthrough in cinematic technology. As uh, yeah, 100%. How popular did um, the bullet time filmmaking technique become after The Matrix? I mean, how often have you seen that since? A lot. In, in less yeah. Than, we got a passenger here. She always got to come in there. Ha ha. All right. See you later. Punk. Yeah. Um. But let's not, uh, you know, discredit this one movie 
whom without we would probably not have the Matrix, and that is one of my favorite movies of all times. Not so much a franchise, but I mean, I take it all for what it's worth, and that is Blade. Oh man, I love all the Blade movies. Yes, uh, with a small asterisk by Blade Trinity, but <laughs> I, I understand. Mean, I, I don't ever want them to recast Blade. I want Wes. I don't care what his tax problems are. I don't care if you have to take him to a cell every night after you're finished filming. Just let Wesley Snipes be Blade. See, and I've I've had this debate heavily. I do agree with that to a sense, but I mean, just like everything. Did you watch WrestleMania this past weekend? I did indeed. How much do you love the Undertaker character? Uh, 12 out of 10. So let's think about this. I mean, you know it, I know it. As being a longtime wrestling fan or however long you were a fan of The Undertaker, he was the bestest thing ever. And we can kind of compare that to Blade. Blade is the bestest thing ever. But at the same time, if you keep seeing Blade over and over every year, every year, every year, or even maybe semi-yearly or bi-yearly or tri-yearly or however the hell, Blade is going to get old. Blade is going to get stale. Blade yeah. is going to kind of wear on that nostalgia that you have for Blade when you first seen Blade in the beginning or when he was at his prime or so on and so forth. So True, true. You kind I of, would, but I would say to that, how much heat would there be if they recast The Undertaker? Ooh. Well, see, I kind of felt that they could have done that with Bray Wyatt. Well, they could ha- yes, they could have a character who is similar to the Undertaker, but they can't recast the Undertaker. They yeah. can't do it like you would do in a Blade reboot. Mm-hmm. You can't give someone else his boot, his hat, and his coat, and say, "Okay, you're the Undertaker today." Well, I, um, I disagree there because I mean, according to some of these stupid ass wrestling fans, you can do that. <laughs> now, are you talking about the Undertaker? Oh, gimmick of the 90s when he was wearing that Phantom of the Opera mask and they brought in the fake Undertaker <laughs> and they had the, the confrontation between Undertaker and no one knew what to call the other one. He was fake Undertaker. Yeah, I mean, that's the, what everybody called him. Undertaker versus fake Undertaker. Yeah, they had the Paul Bearer version and they had the Million Dollar Man version. <laughs> yeah, and then they did a fake Kane years later. I mean, does yep. everybody in that family have like a Bizarro clone? Yeah, a doppelganger. Doppelganger. Doppelkanger. Doppeltaker. Doppeltaker. They should have called him the Doppeltaker. I like that. Book it. Yeah, trademark. Trademark. Doppeltaker. But no, if they brought in someone from NXT and gave him the hat, the coat, and said, hey, you're going to be the Undertaker now, um, that would go horribly. I mean, we yes, saw exactly. how fake Razor and Diesel flopped. Yeah. Um, how much more sacred is the Undertaker gimmick? Yeah, it is. I mean, there, there'll never be another one. There'll no, never... there can't. But yeah. back to Blade. Um, do you remember Blade the series? Stick, motherfucker, sticky fingers from Onyx. Sticky fingers, sticky finger. I, I kept up with it. I gotta admit, it and, didn't and finish this was the first in the season. days before DVR, mm-hmm. before it was out on DVD. Like I tried to watch the new episodes as they came out. My son will never understand that struggle. the struggle that we had in keeping up with serialized episodic tv before dvrs streaming or easy access it was so hard we did it through all the star treks though but um blade the series i just never bought sticky fingers as blade and it was probably too recent 
Um, I think it was even sharing a universe with the movie uh, part. Is is that how? Do you remember it that way? That the series is you know, the same universe? No. See, I don't. That's the thing. I don't know. As soon as I they said it was Sticky Fingers, I turned my brain off. I was just like, nope, I'm not watching this shit. I never seen the movie. All I know about the series is that it didn't even last a full first season. They just like it didn't. Didn't. I, like, I think nope. they might have actually canceled it halfway through the first episode. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> No, they they got several episodes. I don't remember much about them, but I did try to watch them. I never watched them. I might just go back just for fuck's sakes and watch them. But I, I no, there are literally a hundred other things I would watch before I watched that. <laughs> I'm sure we could name them. But um, what my thing with Blade um, is, I wanted to see what the original intention for the third film was. Yeah. And that was for it to be set in the future where Blade might be a bit older, but mm-hmm. many decades have passed and the vampires have taken over. Okay, I can see that. And um, it'd be like an old man Blade. <laughs> oh, yeah, it would be. But his aging is halted a bit by yeah, his bit, uh, yeah. half vampirism. Yeah, seeing like we, I debated this with a whole bunch of different people, or whatever, and I'm I'm on the same boat as you. I mean, we 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 floating in the same direction. I was like, Wesley Snipes to me is Blade. There's characters out there in the world that play a character, and that person is forever that character. Like Hugh Jackman, forever be Wolverine. Uh, freaking Wesley Snipes will forever be Blade. Goddamn. Sylvester Stallone will always be Rambo. Schwarzenegger will always be the Terminator. So Blade is in that boat. Wesley Snipe is in that boat. But what I said, what I was talking about, if they had to, if they had to, like if they wanted to do a Netflix series with it or just, you know, do a franchise type deal, if they can get Wesley Snipes to be in maybe the Whistler role. To where he finds another young vampire and he's the one training him and he has some kind of involvement with it to where he's like the character but not the main character you know what if he was the main villain now there are many uh blade excuse me say that again blade suffers from a lack of a recognizable rogues gallery and that can really hurt your hero franchise. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's hurt Iron Man in some ways because Iron Man, I mean, you kind of heard about his main villain, the Mandarin. Yeah. But other than that, before the Iron Man movies, you'd be hard-pressed to just name Iron Man villains. Mm-hmm. It's not Batman. It's not Superman. Uh, even Spider-Man, like before the the Raimi movie, not a lot of people really knew all the Spider-Man villains you kind of knew like Green Goblin, maybe Doc Ock, but yeah. you get deeper than that, and it's like, who, who, who are we talking about? So I, I think that that might help the Blade franchise, even if they didn't know the villain Snipes were to play, have him in there, and people would watch to see what is Wesley Snipes going to do, and he's not Blade in a Blade movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I would freaking. Blow my shit if damn they made a, another Blade movie and Wesley Snipes didn't have some kind of involvement in it, whether he be Blade himself or some kind of character in that universe. It would just I would shit my pants. I don't know and make a hammer. He, out could, of he, it. he could play the tax man, maybe. <laughs> That's going around like auditing the vampires. <laughs> but like, excuse me, Mister Frost, uh, we need to go over your books. <laughs> <laughs> He's like that doesn't work on me. I'm a tax man. <laughs> 
this, yeah, this, I don't have any blood or a soul. It's like death and taxes, baby. You can't beat either one. <laughs> oh, man. So I had to go pick up my taxes yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about that because uh, I'm self-employed. So I'm, I'm 1099. So I'm thinking about that check. I've got to stroke the government. I think about all the things I'd rather spend that money on, uh, especially with the book coming out. You know, I could do more to promote a book with that. Instead, it just goes into this Washington black hole where they're going to build some – I don't know, a wall or they're going to build up the military but fire all the teachers maybe. Mm-hmm. So we'll have weapons but people that don't know how to use them. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what's this? And wow. I, I, I know, right? <laughs> so then I, I get in my car and it won't start, and I have to go back into my tax man's office after they've already handed me that bill. I'm like, my car won't start. Uh, I need to go call somebody. Excuse me. It was just insult to injury. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I want to put this name in your ear before we roll off a blade. Maurice Crump. Look him up. He is a martial artist. And ah. if, if anybody, anybody could play the Blade character, if they had to recast Blade, that is my nomination. Now, that being said, all we've said about Snipes, I want Blade back, and I totally understand if they need a new one. I I think that is not an Undertaker situation. Mm -hmm. I feel like that role can be continued, and it will be continued um, at some point. Um, Netflix seems like a likely choice. Um, Ghost Rider, from what I understand, is on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Me neither. I, I, I never got into it. I have a friend that's stuck with it, but I, I just told him I couldn't make it through the first season. But uh, I would be interested to see Ghost Rider because I've always liked the idea of the Ghost Rider. Yeah, I, I did I didn't, too. I didn't hate Nicolas Cage's first movie. The first movie, yeah. I, I, I like that one. That's, I have no problem with that. I, I think I have the Blu-ray for that one, but that second one was kind of rough. <laughs> I've only seen bits and pieces of the second. I just remember Idris Elba's in it, right? Yeah, it's like a thing. It's like he's a ghostwriter as well. <laughs> well, well, of course he is. Yeah. So, in, I don't what, know. what did he did he ride a motorcycle or did he ride like? I vaguely remember it. I kind of like breezed through it or whatever. I was like incoherent when it was running around. I just remember um, him peeing fire and shit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, you might want to go see a doctor about that. Exactly. Take some pills. <laughs> it's it's okay because um, Hell's health plan is still better than like, you know, the GOP stuff. Yeah, you got a point. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Having fiery pee is not covered because that's a pre-existing condition. <laughs> I'm sorry, your pee came in here like that, man. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so in Hell, when you have to urinate it comes out as fire does that mean that all the toilets have kerosene inside mm. that that seems like hell i mean i don't know yeah i think in hell if you have to pee it goes the opposite way it, it comes from the toilet and goes up the penis oh that opposite way well well that stinks <laughs> i mean you're in hell i mean it's not like you in sandals resort or some shit did you just say you're in hell ah <laughs> Uh, dude, I think I think we have a the beginnings of a Broadway play. This is how Hamilton started. <laughs> we could have the big opening number. Welcome to you're in hell. Oh man, that remind me of that damn uh, one of them episodes uh, of, of Futurama. 
<laughs> oh, I love Futurama. Which one? With the um, the, it, I forget. It was the the fucking which one was it? It was it had the hell robot, the devil robot. Oh, it. the robot devil. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, he took somebody hand, fry hands or some shit or whatever. He's he pun- did. He did. I think we've talked about this one before. Yeah. He he gave him. He, he lost his hands in a bet. Yeah. Or, or spinning the wheel, and then Fry could play the holophoner really well after that. Yeah. <laughs> because obviously, if you get the robot devil's hands, you can play any musical instrument. That just makes logical sense. Mm-hmm. And he was <laughs> trying to get his hands back. He's like, "No, I quite like these." <laughs> I think the robot devil was like, or or he gets them back and Fry says, what did you do? He says, I cleaned them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because the robot devil wanted to give him his hands back because he's like, they keep touching me inappropriately at night. (laughs) Oh, gosh. That's one of the better episodes, actually. Um, Love Futurama. I love the creators. They they, uh, crossed over with The Simpsons and some comic books, but I never read those. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know there was a comic book. There have been comic books released intermittently. Um, now, Simpsons, I loved the Bartman comic book series they made. They oh. put those in collections like Calvin and Hobbes, like a collection okay. of strips. Uh, and it was focusing on Bartman more so than the Simpsons. But I, I loved reading those as a kid. It was crazy because I can remember way back when I had uh, original NES. And now they yeah. had that those Simpsons games on there. And Bartman was one of the little characters and everything. It would damn piss me off to no end. That damn Simpsons music would be playing in the background all the time. And that game was stupid hard for me at the time. And I couldn't beat it. And I was like, fuck this game. Weren't you uh, Weren't you mostly skateboarding through that game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was also like, it was almost a clone of the uh, Back to the Future game. Where you basically just skateboard around the town and avoid Biff. Um <laughs> Another game that frustrated me to no end was the goddamn Ghostbusters game. Which one? Um, I think it was the second one because they had the damn Statue of Liberty in it and you had to drive the car at the end and you had to jump all the potholes and all this other bullshit. I could never beat that. I, I never played that. What was that for? Original Nintendo. <laughs> oh, any, oh, we're still on NES. Yeah. Uh, see, I, my parents would never buy me a console until the N64 came out. And I just really insisted that I wanted an N64, uh, mainly because of Star Fox, mm-hmm. uh, Super Mario 64, oh, and the upcoming Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, <laughs> which was the best game ever made. Man... <laughs> Fucking Nintendo 64. GoldenEye. Every, yes. Just about damn every wrestling game that would come out on that thing. Uh, I bought all the wrestling games, but Revenge was by far my favorite. WCW, NWO, Revenge. Revenge. I damn. Speaking of that, like I, I play um, NBA 2K17 on um, PlayStation 4. And um, with the um, when you play GM mode, you can organize your franchise. You can manage everything. You can relocate the team and um, remake the stadium. So the big uh, score te- keepers table to where they have the ads and everything on the front, you can customize those. So I put ads for GameStop, Taco Bell, oh. um, Netflix, and it had the banner for WCW versus NWO Revenge, and I put that on there too. <laughs> I wonder if that was just like a ha ha. 
So we I, got you. We bought you. <laughs> we own you. WWF at the time, now WWE, of course, bought WCW for like $2 million. And it was like damn almost close to a billion dollar company. <laughs> I don't know. I think by the end it was losing money. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a shit show then. Yeah, I was watching it at the end. You know, I was still going. And uh, we didn't have any advertisement that it was going to be the last episode of Nitro Mm -hmm. uh, in 2001. And I say I was still watching, but I was in and out Mm because it was very hard to watch. I mean, getting through an entire episode of Nitro in the 2000s wasn't easy. No, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. And it's my understanding they were making up the shows as they went along. Yeah, that's what I heard as well, too. Like, even the freaking Disco Inferno was writing storylines for him. <laughs> so, but that last episode, I did happen to tune in, and there was Vince McMahon on TV for Nitro. Yep. <clears throat> I don't know if the other generations will know like what a big deal that was that was like you know the north beating the south finally exactly because i was like i used to watch them both like mainly in the beginning i would watch only wcw and i would record wwf back when it was hard to do that yeah because like i would just but i knew i was savvy with the vcr then you had to be i i never knew how to do that like i could get something to record if i left it on that channel and just left it running and hit record and then went to do my business i would do that with dragon ball z a lot (laughs) growing up i had this one video it was like my dragon ball z tape and i had to go to some practice after school so i would rush up to my bedroom i would put the tape in have it on cartoon network toonami you press record and then you go do your business, you come back, and then you press stop, and you go back and find wherever it was on the tape and hope that it got it somehow. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I had it down to a science, homeboy, because, like, I don't even know how it all came about, but my mom, she loves freaking soap operas. She still watch them to this day. My mom's 75. Well, she's about to be 75 years old. And for the life of me, as far back as I can remember to my first cognitive memories, i known her to watch soap operas. And when the VCR came into play, she always had a VCR. She, we had a VCR on every TV in every room so she can record all the each individual soap operas because she had to go to work in the daytime and she couldn't watch them. So she would re- record them all. And she had them all on timers. And I would try, oh, wow. to, I would try to figure out how the hell is this happening? Because I like sometimes <laughs> I would want to go in the living room and watch TV after school, but I couldn't because the shit was recording and if I changed the channel it would mess up her stories so I had and to go and if you messed up her stories Ooh. I'm sure you were in trouble yeah so I had to go in the kitchen and watch um the little TV that we had in the kitchen and watch stuff in there for a certain amount of time before the timer on that shit came on and then I can go into the living room and watch <laughs> TV <laughs> but through trial and error I figured out how to do things I never was like mom show me how to record things or whatever I would just sit there like on the weekend or late at night or whatever, because we stayed up late and played video games and shit. I was sitting there and I would play with the timer, and I would sit there and go through the different options on the remote and see what they do and everything. And through trial and error and many ass whippings, because I fucked up some of her recordings. Yeah, um, of course, you did. I figured out how to work the timers and everything. So when her soap operas would go off in the evening on Monday nights, um, I would take her tapes out. I put my tape in, and I would watch WCW. 
for that first hour, and then the raw recording to come on in the other room, and I'd just be sitting there watching Nitro. When Nitro go off, I flip the tapes in, start watching Raw, and go to school tired the next day because I stayed up watching all like five hours of wrestling. <laughs> oh, and and I would try to push it after Nitro for a little while. They had a Mortal Kombat series that came on after Nitro. Mortal Kombat uh, Conquest. With live action, yep. um, but not many game characters. No, because it was like the dude, the, I think the main character, I, I vaguely remember, he was like dressed in like a white shirt and some brown pants uh, or whatever. I think they had Raiden, I think, and Kung Lao, the, the relative of Liu Kang, mm-hmm. I think was like the main hero. And then he had a couple of friends that were originals. I don't know. Like, if you can do Mortal Kombat, do you not get the characters with it? I don't know. Or was that a deliberate choice? But I would stay up and try to watch, you know, Mortal Kombat, and that was when I would, you know, kind of fall asleep. And but uh, yeah, watching that last episode of Nitro, um, Sting finished the show with uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair. Yeah, they got to end WCW. Uh, Sting was my favorite wrestler of all time. He finally showed up in WWE. And yeah, no, and, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. And, and that <laughs> killed it for me. That killed a lot of my uh, passion for pro wrestling after figuring out nothing else was going to – I think after he retired is what it was. Because mm-hmm. when he showed up, I'm like, okay, maybe they're going to do something good with him. Maybe something will happen. I wasn't even in the camp of, hey, he's got to fight The Undertaker. Yeah. Except he needed to fight The Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. He needed to fight The Undertaker. It may not have been the match we had hoped for, yeah. but you you had a WrestleMania where they were both on the card. Uh, that was when Taker wrestled Wyatt, yep. I think. Mm-hmm. And he ran I, into the I, stairs awkwardly. I barely awkwardly. remember that match. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, the only thing I remember from that is Bray Wyatt running himself into the stairs awkwardly. Ah. <laughs> uh. I remember him doing the uh, you know the back bend tree oh, yes. walk, and then Taker did his uh, his what do you call it? The sit, sit up. up, yeah. That was great. That's his last sit up in this match. I know he was supposed to look like, well, pun intended, he was supposed to look dead when he fell over, mm-hmm. but that looked really sloppy. <laughs> Man, that whole see. That was the thing. I mean, I, I, I got a video out there on Twitter about um, how I felt about that whole last Undertaker match, man. Like, when it was all over, said, and done. I mean, I'm not talking about the match right now, but when it was all over, said, and done, he walked up that ramp. Dog, you can ask my wife, man. I was in here crying, dog. I was I had tears running down my face and shit. And I was just like, he really, he really done. He really going home, <laughs> you know? It was obvious. I mean, it's tradition when a wrestler leaves the business now originally the tradition was that you left your boots in the ring yeah uh he left his gloves his hat his jacket Mm -hmm. and he did not do the tradition i guess it's kind of a tradition it's been done a bit but he didn't do the out of character speech oh that's raw and i was disappointed but i understood yeah Uh, i don't think he ever wanted to drop the mystique the character of the undertaker yeah. he was dogmatic about mm-hmm. that and see and that's how i knew either this was going to be the end or next year was going to be the end because just like you said when have you ever known the undertaker to do press or show up to certain events and anything outside of wwe never right 
Right. He was showing up at Cleveland's Cavalier games in full Undertaker garb. I remember that. He showed up to the 2018 WWE WrestleMania press event in full Undertaker garb. And I was like, this has got to be the end because he is doing shit that he has never done as far as I can remember. You know? And something else he did that I don't think he would ever have done uh, after his match was over, he walked over and kissed his wife. Exactly. He would never do that when he was in character as The Undertaker. Because mm-hmm. um, The Undertaker doesn't have a wife. Dead no. men have no wives. Exactly. Death now, is he did mother. have that one tattooed on his neck for several years. Sarah. But, you know, that's uh, notwithstanding. Sarah. Yeah. Didn't Sarah get stalked by DDP? Exactly. <laughs> put, put the man in the Hall of Fame, everybody. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah, DDP was... made it in the Hall of Fame. Mister, uh, doing his yoga now. Uh huh. DDP yoga. Hulk it out. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> but I mean, I, I loved DDP back in WCW, though. Oh yeah, he he was like one of my many wrestling inspirations. He started wrestling at the age of thirty-five. And... He did. He had been in nightclub uh, management mm-hmm. before that like a bouncer or a bartender and owner, just all kinds of things. Yeah. And uh, he got in. How did he get into it anyway? I, I forgot exactly how, but like for a long time, he didn't even wrestle. He was a manager. He was the diamonds uh, to the diamond stud. Something like that. Scott Hall. See, Scott Hall was in WCW. We don't remember it very well, but like in 93, 94, he had a short run as the Diamond Stud, and Diamond like Dallas Page is his manager. And I believe that that's how he got in the business, now that I think about it. Scott Hall, because Scott Hall worked in clubs too, before uh, Hall started wrestling for like AWA back when that was around. He was a cowboy. <laughs> I don't remember him being the cowboy, but I remember he, um, in his job as a bartender, or maybe he was just a bouncer actually, um, age 25, he, he killed a man in a fight. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he talks about it pretty openly. I mean, he says it was over a girl. Uh, he was a bouncer at the club, and this guy got into it with him. And Hall goes to the bartender, and he says, hey, where is that guy? And he says, he's at, he's outside. He's waiting for you. And, you know, Hall's six foot six. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's well over 250 pounds. I don't know about his shape back then at age 25, but he goes muscle. out there and they start struggling. And that guy goes for a gun. He's got a gun in his Uh-oh. pocket or his waistband. Hall takes it from him and it goes off. Yeah. Self-defense, baby. <laughs> it, it killed him. Yeah. It, it killed the man, the gun owner. Um, mm-hmm. Hall says, though, he says, I don't even have any recollection of grabbing the gun. I don't remember pulling the trigger. I think he described it as like an out-of-body experience. Yeah, man. That's just ugh, that was a sticky situation. <laughs> but I think that might be how he met DDP was through the club. And Kevin Nash is another one. He was a bouncer. Mm-hmm. Um, he told you – know, and do you remember when he was Oz in WCW? Very vaguely. I mean, he had the Early crazy 90s, hat and the little mask. The great and powerful Oz. He wore the green tights, mm-hmm. and I think he had like a white flat top or something. Um, he told – when he was doing that gimmick, he told WCW, I quit. I'm going back to bartending or uh, bouncing, 
and the very next week he was Shawn Michaels' manager on uh, like In Your House or whatever the show yeah. was, the, the main event. Um, Shawn scouted him on mm-hmm. WCW and said, I want him because they thought Shawn needed a big bodyguard for some reason, you know? Yeah, and it worked out. <laughs> it, it definitely worked out and since then like you He's can almost magic call Mike. it like a sean diesel partnership with a, a really big guy that doesn't talk a lot and a small cocky heel that that's almost become like an archetype i don't know if that started with them it may have yeah. i can't think of any others and uh, for, I mean, outside of the wrestling perspective of it or whatever, I mean, manager wise, I mean, Bobby Heenan was that he always had the guy and he would always be the talking. And I mean, he's oh, like Bobby. he was like Paul Heyman before he was Paul Heyman. <laughs> and, and we don't remember that Bobby wrestled way back. Yeah. Well, I think the last match that he ever had, I could be wrong. But I believe his his last match was against the Ultimate Warrior, mm-hmm. and it was a Weasel Suit match. Now, if it, if it wasn't his last match, it was pretty close. But it was called a Weasel Suit match, and you lost the match when you put your opponent inside a Weasel Suit. Oh man, I'm gonna have to look this up. I mean, my wrestling memory in history aspect of it i mean you being a historian you probably remember that shit. i don't <laughs> well remember shit. you know I, I consider pro wrestling to be a part of american history yeah i mean it started with the carnival scene um but yeah, you go carnies. even further back yeah the carnies were wrestlers they mm-hmm. had wrestling at the carnies and that's where they developed a lot of the terms they use in wrestling mm-hmm. uh like marks m-a-r-k-s those are people that are buying your product mm-hmm. uh then there's um there's the carny speak for marks, uh, uh, a shoot when something goes wrong or when something is off script. It's a shoot. Uh, something's a work when it's supposed to be, um, it's supposed to be real, but, real but it was planned. It's a worked or a work shoot. Yeah, all that came from the car, uh, the carny folks, and they would usually have like a big guy like a Kevin Nash or a Diesel traveling the carny circuit. Who would challenge people mm-hmm. uh, like to like? Can you last in the ring with me for sixty seconds? And he'd end up just walking over and typically throwing him out of the ring, and they just take money all day like that. Yep. I think they had a lot of plants in the audience for that sort of exactly. thing too. Yeah, those but were that marks was, um, as well. That was the. Uh, that, I, I feel like it is a part of American history. Um, you and even world history. You go back to the gladiators mm-hmm. in ancient Rome. We don't think about that in terms of pro wrestling because, you know, pro wrestling's fake, right? You, don't you know it's fake? That's, that'll be one thing I never call wrestling is fake. I mean, it can be predetermined, scripted, or anything like that, but I'll never call it fake. <laughs> well, now this was not the rule, but there were predetermined matches in the Roman Colosseum during the age of the gladiators. Um, primarily the year 192 common era, uh, I believe 192 or 194. That was when Commodus emperor of Rome held his series of great games. You probably remember Commodus from the movie gladiator. Mm-hmm. Jo- Joaquin Phoenix played him. Um, he was kind of like an incestuous odd, you know, offbeat man in the movie gladiator. In reality, he was more like one of the Kardashians. Like he would have had his own reality show back then. Uh, he was all about his look, his appearance. So he would have and had he, a big button, big boobs. 
Yeah, he would have had the biggest. <laughs> if there were plastic surgeons in Rome, he would have gone to all of them. He was, uh, I mean, he was a, he was handpicked to be emperor. Um, you know, his father was Marcus Aurelius, who was one of the greatest emperors and greatest conquerors. And they said that he was born in the purple back then. That was like being born with a silver spoon in your mm-hmm. mouth, because a purple uh, associated with the Roman royalty. Empire. Yeah, showed royalty. It used to be the uh, color of the consuls, but by the age of emperors, that was the the emperor's color. So Commodus held a series of games in the Roman Colosseum, and he would put himself out as a gladiator, and like pro wrestling, he booked himself to win all the matches. (laughs) Um, And that's not to say that he didn't put a lot of work into it, because he worked uh, his emperor's tail off to become like a hunter he could throw a hundred spears and hit a hundred targets mm. um he was flawless second to none with a lot of his skills but nobody was really going to get in there and fight him <laughs> what do you think is going to happen to you as a gladiator you're a slave uh if you go into a fight with the emperor and really hurt him and make him look bad in front of the whole coliseum what do you think is going to happen to you yeah i got you <laughs> If you were wrestling Vince McMahon in, you know, at any point in WWE and you're a jobber uh, and you take a liberty with Vince to make yourself look good, I mean, you're lucky if he just fires you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Commodus went out there and he would have his fights and he would bring out a gladiator who was, you know, knew what was going on. They would give Commodus a wooden sword. So, I mean, from the crowd, you know, there's no HD or close-ups. <laughs> they, they see a sword. And the gladiator, they were they were so worried about the gladiators, they would give him like a stick and say, okay, go out there and let him do whatever he wants to do. And then, you know, Commodus would beat up the gladiator, and then he would hold up his sword once the gladiator was beat, and he'd look at the crowd, and the crowd would say, mercy, mercy, and he would grant mercy, and it would make him look like this just, wise emperor. That's great. And, it, and then they would pay the gladiator a lot of money for losing, too. <laughs> if, he, if, he lost with, um, if he lost the way he was supposed to, they'd pay him a lot of money. It's like, shh, shut your mouth, go away. <laughs> there was a story about one gladiator oh, that actually didn't want to – it's not that he didn't want to do the job, but he was given um, a dagger without an edge. And they said, hey, here you go. You're going to use this in the fight against the emperor. And he said, I'm not going to use that. Let me just use my fists. They put him to death right away. <laughs> <laughs> it, they didn't even give him a, we wish you uh, all the best in your future endeavors. And they just like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, you, you're like, you will die. Sorry. If we even think you're thinking about taking a liberty with the emperor, you're going to die. But let's let's think about that too. It's like you you know you go do the job, you get paid off, and everything. I mean, there's had to be one gladiator that's just walking around, just like drunk as shit, talking about I could have whipped his ass. He paid me to do it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You you don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, they they would handpick their opponents. They they knew who was gonna go in the ring, and they knew exactly um, what they were going to do beforehand. Very stage. Now that what like I said though, that's the exception. Other gladiator fights were, um, you know, unscripted for the most part. You would have a fight, and you would have a winner and a loser. Sometimes the loser would. 
be given uh, a thumbs up or down, whichever it was, and mm-hmm. survive. More often than not, the crowd wanted blood. Yeah. And they would kill the other gladiators. And usually you knew who was going to live and who was going to die. I mean, it was almost like uh, when you see a match set for WrestleMania and it's, I don't know, like Goldberg versus the local competitor. <laughs> That's how they would stage their tournaments oh, in so the you early mean, brackets, so you wouldn't, so you could get the best guys fighting each other at the end. So you mean how Goldberg's uh, career started? <laughs> All right, here, yeah, this quite is literally with spears. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. Goldberg started as a as a gladiator in the Roman Empire. We knew he was kind of old. <laughs> All right, before we start winding down and everything, you got. A children's book out or you got a children's book coming well out? you can it is coming out this month um and we have done a great partnership with river hill school mm-hmm. uh, that's where my son goes to school um we'll be releasing little wolfie at river hill school it's gonna be about um it's hard to say what it's about it's about being the new kid mm-hmm. uh maybe about getting along with your friends or maybe about not judging people for how they look i mean you know that it hits a lot of levels, but you can hear the book um, on my YouTube channel right now at thenovelcomics.com. Uh, I got to share that with the school for Read Across America. Mm-hmm. And after I read it to the kids, I told uh, we told them that there would be a contest to submit the artwork for the book. Okay. So we had the contest. Uh, we picked the winners out of probably about 100 submissions, and uh, we picked uh, a different kid – for most every page. So they will be featured as the illustrators in this book. That's cool. Yeah. I, I, I hope it makes them feel like they have an ownership in it. Uh, their families will get together. Um, while the we haven't announced the dates, but there will be a fundraiser going on to where the funds from selling this book will all go towards the new school that River Hill is building right now. Okay. And how did all that come to be? That came to be when I was driving my son to school, and he didn't want to go. And I said, well, why don't you want to go to school? And he said, I'm scared. I'm like, what are you scared of? He said, I'm scared of – and he's trying to think you know, because he knows we're about to get out of the car. He's three years old, by the way. And he, he says that he's scared of the big bad wolf. <laughs> so I'm like, is the big bad wolf in your school? He goes, yeah, he, he's in my class. <laughs> And I went to work, and I thought about that, and I'm like, the wolf in his class. So I wrote about it. It's called Little Wolfie at River Hill School. Um, maybe – I don't know if you if you have kids and they've ever uh, been the new kid mm-hmm. or at some point they will have new kids in their class. Mm-hmm. Um, it, can, it can apply to that, or maybe you just enjoy it. Uh, but you can hear me read it um, at thenovelcomics.com on our YouTube channel. You can also hear the audio trailers for my book there, too. Sweet. Well, man, I appreciate the history lesson. <laughs> and um, just, you know, the general conversation of everything that we spoke about today. I already done forgot it. You know, I got a bad memory. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But, uh, hey, where can people reach you on the interwebs? You check me out on Twitter at jsandlinwriter or thenovelcomics.com or jsandlinwriter.com. We're going to have Outbreak Mutiny Volume 1. will be released in April, and you can already see the cover uh, pinned to my profile. So take a look at it. uh, Give your thoughts, a retweet, a like. 
whatever you like, um, and look for that to be announced on my Twitter at jsandlinwriter. And it will be free to download for the first 30 days. A printed copy will be available, too, for a low price. Sweet. Once again... You're getting an autographed one, my friend. Oh, hey. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I appreciate you taking your time out and speaking with me, man. It was was great. We talked about some wrestling. We talked about Blade, The Matrix, all the things that I like. (laughs) Me, too. We'll do this again. Let's uh, do this after you've read the book. (laughs) got it i see shit we i'm recording this too you put me on the spot (laughs) (laughs) now you must read damn it (laughs) (laughs) all right i'll I'll do it i'll do it i'll do it maybe even before we're probably gonna talk before i finish reading the book because goddamn i read slow as shit so (laughs) that's okay we'll get you at different portions of the book (laughs) okay yeah we can do that we can do a progress report i get from (laughs) I will give you a grade and uh, homework. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, once again, thank you for your time. I appreciate you for, you know, putting your creativity out there in the world for all of us to enjoy. And hey, man, you've been on the show once and you're welcome back anytime that you want to come on back for whatever reason. All right. Thank you. All right. And that was the episode, folks. It was great talking with Jay once again, and um, we, we we had to throw in the shit hammers. If you um, was wondering what the fuck we was talking about, you had to go over to the Joint Narcissism podcast where we was all on there with the naked porch and everything, and uh, we was talking about podcasting superpowers, and Ray said, shit, I don't know, and we was like, oh, shit is your superpower, and then we came up with the whole shit hammer and all kind of things, so... It sounded better over there rather than me retelling it. So go to the Joint Narcissism podcast feed and listen to that episode and get the full backstory, the origin story. <laughs> I'll just listen to Joint Narcissism and the Nick and Push podcast anyway, because they're cool podcasts, especially Ray. Ray is the man. He helped me out with my stuff and things and whatnot. Ooh. Hey, I'm going to be a working man Monday, which is tomorrow which is probably when you're going to hear this. And I'm not being specific in which Monday. I mean, you can look at the date and the timestamp on this podcast. But finally, after 283 days, I'm going back into the workforce. I had a great time off, but need to pay some bills. These kids be eating up all my groceries and everything, not my booty, because that's fucking incest and it's nasty and you're wrong for doing it. There's no eating of the ancestral Booty is like groceries around this motherfucker. <laughs> Man, that probably came off weird as fuck. Uh, I ain't gonna edit it out because it's whatever. I'll just say random shit, damn it. That's the premise of the fucking show. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm just gonna end it rather quickly now that I said all that. Uh, look forward to new episodes coming out. I got uh, King HR. A man that I met through the pipe bomb with McCool and company, which is a wrestling podcast that I co-host on. And uh, we got him on here. He was talking for like three hours and shit. So we might do a two parter with that episode. Also coming up is the boys front. Well, men, they ain't no boys. They got cheering and everything, but the men from the hashtag blackout podcast and everything. And we talk about motherfucking iron fist, which is a great show. 
and I challenge anybody to debate me on it being bad. <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter. You got your own opinions. That's what we have these mediums for, for everybody to display their opinions, their disgust, their disdain, or their likes and uh, loves. So it is what it is. But I'm, if you haven't noticed by now, I'm a troll. So especially if you listen to me on the pipe bomb with McCool and company, I troll a lot, you know, because it's funny and I don't give a shit. <laughs> Finn Balor is bland. He's not good. Ha, 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 ha. I made you cringe in your wrestling boots if you dig Finn Balor. All right. Then said my piece, but we're going to ride on out into the sunset. So, as always, you can find me on Twitter at It's B Rob. That's I T S B R O B. If you want to talk professional wrestling and all that other random nonsense, the show also has a Twitter, which you can follow at, wait for it. R R R underscore podcast. That's three R's underscore podcast. Anything that you want to know about the show, retweeting about guests and other random wacky do's, you can do it there. Also, I have a website called randomrobcast.com, which if you go to the homepage, because that's where you're going to land it if you go to randomrobcast.com, um, you look at down at the bottom you can see all manner of ways that you can help support the show and help it grow into a thing or something <laughs> i got amazon links which i have updated thanks to ray appreciate your brother and um it doesn't cost you extra you just click on the amazon link it takes you straight to amazon and you shop it like normal it doesn't cost you extra and i get a little bit of the kickback and all that kickback goes back into the podcast so you you're giving to me to give back to you. Awesome. I also want to do some other things outside of just the podcast. I want to do some videos and everything, but I can't do it with the current equipment I have. I need a little bit of help. I'm entering the workforce. and ain't going to just come fat pockets overnight. I just it's going to get there eventually. But anyway, if the show can sustain itself, that would be an awesome thing. That'd be one less bill I have to worry about. And all I would have to come do is sit in front of this microphone and run my suck and goddamn put it out for everybody i ain't got to worry about all that extra shit but anyway you can follow me on instagram as well see me walk around walmart talk a whole bunch of bullshit um you can do that at random ramblings w underscore rob or you can just type in the random ramblings with rob podcast i'll pop right on up and you can be a patron that's cool that's links for that on the website as well. Um, you can support for as little as a dollar a month. It doesn't go over five dollars because nobody doing the shit. So I ain't going to have twenty dollar incentives and everything. And nobody going to do it for a dollar, three dollars and five dollars. But hey, man, it's just a thing there. I mean, you don't have to do it. What you can really do is listen to the show like you've been doing or you're starting to do. Which, you know, is the most important thing and tell a friend and share with that friend and that friend can share with another friend. And y'all just all listen to the show. That's all I really want. And buy a shirt. <laughs> buy a shirt. I'm the only one buying shirts except for Ray. Ray bought a shirt. Ray is helping me out in all avenues. I might have to write him a lengthy letter and everything telling him thank you. So, yeah. Anyway, I appreciate you all for listening. And that is it. And I'll see you next time.